We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. So, Sarah, the Ravens dodged a major bullet coming off Sunday's win over the Rams. As it looks like safety, Kyle Hamilton has avoided a significant knee injury. So we're going to bring you up to speed on his reported post-MRI results. And we're also here from John Harbaugh in terms of Kyle's immediate timeline. Great news there. And then we'll get into some national media reaction to the Ravens' win, including, of course, from Shannon Sharp, who, Bobby, it turns out I just discovered... He blocked me on Twitter. Mm. So we'll try to get to the bottom of that later on. Interesting. I can't wait to get into all that. Come on, Shannon. What are we doing here? We're a Ravens podcast. You're a former Raven. Anyway, I'm Bobby Trossett alongside my co-host and partner, Sarah Ellison. It is Tuesday, December 12th, and this is your morning Ravens update from inside the vault presented by our friends at GEHA. All right, so John Harbaugh, he touched on a number of things during his weekly Monday press conference, and that included OBJ and Rashad Bateman, a discussion about their route running. He talks about the strategy to rotate offensive linemen, and then he talks about Charlie Kohler's big block during Tylen Wallace's walk-off return touchdown. Plus, there was plenty of player reaction and interaction online after Sunday's game went final. Both Lamar and Patrick Queen went to bat for two of their teammates who were being dragged on Twitter. Yeah, we have all of that and more coming up. So thank you for waking up with the Morning Vault, where you get the most important Ravens news and our opinions in about 30 minutes. All right, Bobby. So we got to get to the news of Monday. Everybody was wondering, hey, great win. But what about Kyle Hamilton? Uh, We obviously know that he hurt his knee, briefly left the game, came back, and then left the game again. People were wondering because he was out there for Tylen Wallace's big celebration, maybe that was a good sign. Turns out it was. So according to Jordan Schultz, He tweeted, Monday afternoon, Ravens safety Kyle Hamilton suffered a grade one MCL sprain. So just a sprain. Okay. No, no, no ripped ACL or anything like that. So a grade one MCL sprain during Sunday's win over the Rams sources tell Bleacher Report. Expect Baltimore to proceed cautiously, but Hamilton shouldn't miss much time, if any. 
Jordan goes on to say the former Notre Dame star has enjoyed a stellar, stellar second season already with two interceptions, including a pick six, nine pass breakups, and three sacks. John Harbaugh was asked more about Hamilton and Devin DuVernay. Let's not forget DuVernay left the game with a back injury, as we know. That's why Tylen Wallace was in there returning punts. So here's the timeline he gave, gave on both his players. Yeah, Kyle looks like he'll be day-to-day, -day, uh, so we'll see uh, as we go through the week. He'll have a chance to play in this game. Uh, Devin might be a little more extended. Uh, we'll, just, we'll learn more as the week goes on, but it could be, could be uh, more than a week, so we'll just have to see. All right, Bobby, what's your reaction? Well, first and foremost, you can never truly put too much stock into the Twitter doctors. I know we're always super careful about what we share, what we react to, what we believe and, and don't believe. And if if you were riding on some of their reports over the last 24 hours or so, you might have thought that it was a lot more serious than a grade one for Kyle. And so that first and foremost, it begins there. And second, I guess I just I'm not that surprised, you know, because Kyle was seen after the game from those who were in attendance. I guess he did a jersey swap with a friend who was on L.A. He came back into the game, as we covered in our post-game live stream, after going to the Blue Medical Tent before being ruled out, obviously, later on. Uh, he was not himself. But uh, overall, given what he's become, to Jordan's point, in year two, this is a huge, huge break for the Ravens. We know that Mike McDonald has made it a major priority when Marcus Williams returned that he wanted all three safeties to be on the field as much as possible. And Kyle's versatility has provided for that, you know, and allowed for that. And quite frankly, he's playing at a borderline all pro level for this team in year two. Uh, his range, his versatility, his ball skills, the way he plays the run, his discipline in space, uh, it's its really, really impressive to see what he's done. So uh, you can't help but think that, again, like I said in the beginning, Ravens dodge a major bullet. Major bullet. And, Bobby, as much as like I feel like the Ravens have done well at depth in the secondary, I mean, I just you know think to Geno Stone and then Ronald Darby and all that. So it's admirable with the way those guys have, have plugged in here and there. Mallette, I feel like he's had a really good season. I don't feel like he had as good of a game, although he did have probably his a really his last good play. Remember, he he prevented a touchdown that forced a field goal, so you do give him that. But as well as people have have filled in, we've talked about with with the way that Hamilton is a unicorn. The way like those guys that fill in can't fill in the way Hamilton does the way he can go from nickel to, to, you know, strong safety to free safety, to dime, all this kind of stuff. And so, yeah, it would take different guys to fill in in different places, but then it wouldn't allow Mike McDonald to disguise things as well. And that's just not even to mention that even if these other guys were versatile, they don't do it as well as Hamilton. So yeah, big, uh, bullet dodge, as you said, and we'll go and we'll obviously continue to look at, the injury report and see if he does play this week. Don't think it would be the worst thing in the world if he missed this game against uh, the Jacksonville Jaguars. But then again, if he's healthy, if he's like 90, 95% and ready to go, then let's do it. Let's roll. Yeah. Yeah. Let's move on to some of the national reaction that came in. Cause to be honest with you, it was relatively quiet, all things considered, yeah. based on what it's been in previous weeks, as we know, whether it's after a loss or a big win. And I think a lot of that has to do with just what happened around the league 
with Dallas, mm-hmm. who we all I've been told they're America's team. I mean, that's certainly up for debate, but they gave it to Philadelphia. And so between Dak Prescott kind of having an MVP caliber season and it being the Cowboys, they dominated the headlines on Monday, as did Patrick Mahomes tirade post game. I mean, that was talk about out of character, swearing all over national television, going after the officials. I mean, literally, he put on he telling, threw a temper telling tantrum. Allen, like Allen, that was the worst call. Is there like handshaking at the end? Like what's what's Josh yeah. Allen going to do about it? You know, so. Listen, go, yeah. if you're supposed to be yelling at anybody, it's Kadarius Tony, who was clearly in the neutral zone. Unfortunately, it wiped out what would have been an all-time play given where they were in that game between the Bills and the Chiefs. But anyway, between those two storylines, I think that's probably why the Ravens took a back seat, uh, their overtime victory. But hey, I know a lot of us in Baltimore – uh, enjoy being the underdog, enjoy being under the radar. So in that case, keep this coming. I like the way it's set up. Te- totally can you check us up to speed? Go, go ahead first. Well, I was just going to say, just as you said it, under the radar and, and underdog, I think are two different things. The Ravens are definitely under the radar, but I don't think they're considered underdogs in most of their matchups. No, you know what I no. mean? So like, yeah, I totally agree under the radar. So I agree. I watched all the national shows. I mean, get up, barely mentioned them. First take, take had kind of like a, like a weird debate that I thought would be more of like a Tuesday or Wednesday thing, not like a reaction to the game, but I will get to a small part from them. But what I found interesting. So uh, here's, so I found there was a longer debate on undisputed that I kind of want to highlight, but for specific reasons. So I kind of ignored this on Twitter. There was a uh, Miami dolphins podcaster. So he does similar to what we do. And I'm the first to admit, like as a former Ravens employee and as a Ravens podcaster, I think that we're biased. And by the way, I think most people are. I think they just pretend that they're not. Um, there are some objective people and who are good at being uh, neutral. Objective's not the right word. I still feel like I try to be objective, but um, I wouldn't say I'm neutral. Like, I want the Ravens to win. Um, and, um, and, and so I think that's true of other local content creators like us. So anyway, there was a Miami Dolphins podcaster who tweeted last night, Tylen Wallace bailed out Lamar Jackson. And a lot of people on Twitter, like fans and stuff, went after him. And I I was I just ignored it. Like it's like whatever, like what whatever. But when I was watching this undisputed clip, I felt like there was a similar point, although not said so disrespectfully. Um, so the the debate on on undisputed, Michael Irvin and the crew was asked. Are the Ravens clearly the best team in the AFC? And the key word is clearly. I don't have a problem with Michael Irvin's answer at all. Not at all. I feel like it's a tight race in the AFC. His reasoning is what kind of um, got me thinking. So here's Michael Irvin on Undisputed. I want to say the Ravens, are they clearly, is the question, the best team? Clearly, I'm going to say no. Are they the best team? I will say yeah, and I'll tell you why I would say no to the clearly. If you're going to be a special team in this league, you cannot rely on special teams. They must be something that's added. And in this game, even though I thought, I talked about it right here, I said the Rams would be a tough out. So I didn't mind the whole game. But when they got into overtime, I wanted to see... Baltimore won the toss. 
Now let me see you go down and show me you got championship pedigree. Nope. In this game right here, three and out. Three and out. Okay, you punt the ball. Let me see your defensive championship pedigree. In this game right here. You see what I mean? Then they, 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 get, they get the return and they win the ball game. All right, so so Bobby, I have no problem. Like, is it clear that the Ravens are the best team in the AFC? I, I would also agree. Pro no, are, are is it absolutely clear? No, I think that it's right up there. Like, it's Miami's right there, and and this is going to be decided. The Ravens are going to play Miami. They're going to play Jacksonville next week. And if and as much as Kansas City has like been faltering lately, I still wouldn't say that the Ravens are clearly better than them. Like, are they all in the conversation? Could you argue that Baltimore's better? Absolutely. Clearly, no. So I have no problem with them saying, I think they're better. I'll give them the nod, but I don't know if the word clearly is right. But what got to me was, was when he said in there, he said uh, he didn't like to see that the Ravens had to rely on special teams. And, Bobby, this is the stuff that, like, I notice this a lot, whether you're talking about a team in general or like a quarterback. People don't want your quarterback just to succeed. They want to see, to really give him credit, he has to succeed with what? An undrafted rookie who, you know, has a broken finger and, and you know, his offensive line is all missing. It's all backups. And it's like, until it's like you can strip away any help, like the quarterback can have no help whatsoever. And only then, if he has no help, then you give him credit. And I just think that's BS. Like, I think that Tua, obviously, he gets help, like, from Tyreek and Waddle and all of them. But you also have to give him his props. Like, he's doing what he's supposed to be doing. So, anyway, point being, like, like the Ravens, when he says, like, uh, you know, when we get to overtime, sure, the offense didn't, on the very first one, on, went three and out. But they got to overtime because Lamar Jackson led them on a 13-play, 75-yard touchdown drive, threw a touchdown on third and 17, and then a two-point conversion, which was just absolutely absurd if you go back and look at the tape. So they didn't even get there without him. And then, yes, the defense faltered, obviously, which we talked about with Marlon Humphrey going into overtime. But then when overtime hit, the defense stepped up, and they're the ones that forced the the punt, and so it was like, like why why don't why don't you want to give the Ravens credit just because they got a special teams play? Like the offense did what it needed to do to get them to overtime. The defense did what it needed to do in overtime, and then special teams was the final one to do it. But it's just so funny to me that it's like now you don't believe in the Ravens because a special teams play happened to win it? Like, that to me, I don't understand that logic. To me, it's like, whoa, they've got Lamar Jackson and they drove down and they have a defense, according to them. Like, I'm I, I'm nervous about the defense of the fourth quarter, but according to them, as they keep talking, it's like, oh, it's, it's one of the top five in almost everything. And so it's like, you should be saying you have both of those things and then guess what? Here comes special teams, which just made you stronger. <laughs> I don't think it's an argument to say that now you're weaker. Yeah, that was the comment that I picked up on as well. And that was the first time that I just listened to Irvin. And, and like, if he had been watching the Ravens as thoroughly as, as we have, he'd know that the special teams group <laughs> actually collectively throughout the last four, you know, the first 14 weeks of the season has actually been unreliable in terms of John Harbaugh's standards, in terms of what, right, what's right, typically consistent. So if anything, the fact that the special teams went out and won them a game in December is a great step forward for a group that, again, according to John Harbaugh's expectations and standards, has probably been well underneath what's expected. So uh, with that, that 
that sticks out for two reasons. One, the one I just mentioned, and two, you got to be able to win a variety of ways this time of year. And right. they'd never won a game in 2023 quite like the way they did yesterday for reasons that we already cited during the post-game show. Right. And so this leads me, I just grabbed one little quote from first take because their, their whole thing was like, is two, who's the best quarterback in the AFC Tua or Lamar? And um, most of them picked Lamar, although they were like, I don't know, kind of wishy-washy, but I do think that Shannon Sharp actually gave, made a good point about Lamar Jackson in overtime, even though they went three and out. Um, it was kind of a backhanded compliment, but yet also a good point. So that's why I'm going to play it. You said something that the Ravens got the ball first in overtime, uh, uh, RC, and yep. you saw Lamar. I was more impressed by what he didn't do as opposed mm. to what he did do. Because when he missed with the out ball, he missed out of bounds. Outside, yep. There have been times before he missed, that's a pick six to the house, mm -hmm. and the ball game's over. So sometimes it's not about what you do, it's about what you don't do. Yep. Okay, so I thought it was like, okay, well, Shannon Sharp's been – Riding Lamar because he was talking about all those fumbles, even though I wouldn't say all those fumbles were all on Lamar. Some of them were, I'd say most of them weren't. Uh, but it was like, okay, like if that's what his gripe has been, I'm glad that he at least acknowledged that it was like, look, in a big moment, sometimes you do have to give credit for what you what you don't do. So, um, yeah, I mean, that type of throw is dangerous. You know, it could be a pick six. So there's that. So anyway, here I was, Bobby, putting these clips together. Gonna give you know Shannon Sharp this compliment, and then what's funny is I went to go like search uh, Shannon to see if I could find this quote on on I don't even follow him. I like went to go search to see if like this was on Twitter, and then it turned out I just realized I'm blocked by Shannon Sharp. I didn't even know it. So uh, there we go, blocked by Shannon Sharp. So. Um, I'm not quite sure. I, like I said, I don't follow him on on, but obviously we follow him, him on the shows. We we look at everybody in the national media. So there it was blocked. Don't know why, but my guess, and I re, I covered this while you were out of town last week, Bobby. But you know he had given all these excuses <laughs> last week to Patrick Mahomes because he said the Chiefs were asking too much of Patrick Mahomes. So I quote retweeted him, but I didn't tag him. Uh, and I said, was was this Lamar when this was Lamar Jackson's wide receivers? And technically, technically, this was Tyler Huntley's wide receivers because Lamar had gone down. But before Lamar went down, all you have to do is swap out Watkins for Duvernay. So I don't think it really changes the point of the tweet. So I said, but when this was Lamar Jackson's wide receivers, Demarcus Robinson, Deshaun Jackson, James Prochet, and Devin Duvernay, did you get give the same excuses to? to Lamar that you gave to, to Patrick Mahomes. I didn't tag him, but a lot of people did. That tweet kind of got a little bit bigger than I had anticipated. <laughs> so my guess is that he blocked me from that, Bobby. That's that's my biggest guess. I don't know, though, because he had, maybe maybe it was on accident. I don't know, because he didn't reply. He didn't. There was no back and forth between us. The last time I checked, it was closing in on 400,000 views. So I would imagine it showed up <laughs> on his his timeline one way or the other. But here's my thought on this. This is a okay. pro football Hall of Famer, somebody who we got a ton of respect for in terms of what he was able to do on the football field, football acumen. We can say all these things about Lamar, but at the end of the day, this guy knows a ton about the game of football and brought a Super Bowl, helped bring a Super Bowl to Baltimore, uh, which means he was probably more than likely subject to an insane amount of trash talk throughout an, a legendary career on the gridiron. 
Yeah. You're telling me that if it's that tweet, if it's any other tweet, and you you always stay within bounds on Twitter. You get your point across. You have a huge following, a ton of engagement, but you never cross a line, which is why you didn't tag them. That'd be trolling. You're telling me that Shannon saw something that Sarah Ellison tweeted and couldn't handle it, so he had to block you? He's part of the 1% club, less than 1% as a professional athlete in the NFL, and he couldn't take this? You said it before we went on. It was weak with a capital W. I'm adding the capital W to it. You didn't say <laughs> yeah. that. Are you kidding me? And I love look, this guy's beloved. He's beloved yeah. in Baltimore. He's beloved outside of Baltimore. I I would love to hear his rationale because that is some weak sauce. Come on, Unc. Yeah, I don't I don't think we're gonna hear the rationale. I don't think I'm uh in his eyes probably at a level, you know, high enough to, to get a rationale. So first of all, I have two I have two kind of takeaways when I like learned it. Number one, I have no hard feelings. Like we for sure, you know, push back against Shannon Sharp and Stephen A and other people who we think that they've just got it wrong, right? We definitely push back. Um, the vast majority of the time, maybe I've forgotten to once in a while, but anytime we've pushed back on the show, I've always said, like, hey. Just just to remember, he knows more about football and his pinky than I do and like appreciate him and all he's done for the Ravens and Super Bowl wins and all that kind of stuff. So like I have no hard feelings. I still love the guy. Like, and this really doesn't change anything for me because like I said, I didn't follow him and I never tag him. So it really doesn't like change anything for me. That said, my second takeaway, which you kind of already mentioned, is I do think it's weak. Like I like I, I don't I, I can't remember if I've blocked anybody. I don't think I have. If I have, it's more because I think it's a it's a bot or it's been like uh, inappropriate content that's been put in, and I just don't want to see inappropriate content on my timeline. So I think that type of mostly inappropriate content. I think I've blocked that type of stuff. Outside of that, I've never blocked anybody, and. I do understand. I mean, I do have trolls and I'm sure he has a million times more, but like, it just is interesting to me with how hard he is on Lamar. And I don't think he's ever really crossed a line with Lamar, but he's tough on Lamar, which is why we've pushed back sometimes. So for somebody that's so tough on somebody else that that was maybe a, a tougher tweet, not like a troll tweet, but certainly tougher. But if you're going to be tough, I feel like you should be able to take toughness back. And so, whatever, whatever. Like I said, it doesn't change much for me, but I just think it's weak. I just think it's weak. Like, tweet back at me or move on. But, like, that to me, like, just showed that, like, it's just kind of a, a weak Twitter mentality in my view. Come on, Unc. At SG Ellison <laughs> is the go-to follow for all things Ravens, and you're telling me that you're just going to block her? Well, maybe I'll be, maybe I'll go on in my next pursuit to try and get blocked by <laughs> Shannon Sharp. So well, just, to be, just to be clear, I did not go out there and purposely do that to try to get blocked. So, well, what's hilarious about this? Yeah, we'll finish it here. Of course, there's yeah. Just to put another underscore, like yeah, there's no hard feelings at all. Like we yeah. we think it's funny, which is why there's never any any hard feelings when we kind of go back at him with his takes. He's yeah. super passionate, super opinionated. That's why he's in the chair that he's in. <laughs> it's just, it's just funny how that works. But, but um, oh shoot, what was I gonna say? Uh, uh, that maybe you'll go out and try to get blocked, something like that. <laughs> oh, when you tweet, when you texted me the screenshot of the blocking, I'm like, wait, man, I'm pretty sure I've torched this guy. Like, yeah, in the last couple <laughs> months, like, 
I've absolutely ripped them on, on social and it's gotten a lot of engagement. So I was pretty shocked. So first thing I do was, was go check his profile and, and, and I could see it. So I'm not blocked, but anyway, yeah, let's keep yeah. moving. And in order to do so before the uh, nuggets from John Harbaugh's press conference, as you heard at the top, the vault is presented by GEHA government employee health association, who's proudly providing health and dental benefits to federal employees and their families for 86 years. And with over 2 million members and growing, GEHA continues to serve those members and families who serve all of us every day. GEHA wants to give you the chance to show your purple pride with an exclusive pregame Ravens tunnel experience. And you only have about eight days or so, about a week actually by the time you're watching this. So between now and December 19th, fans can enter for the opportunity to be in the tunnel as the Ravens get ready to take the field on New Year's Eve. Two grand prize winners brought to you by GEHA will receive the following for the December 31st game. Uh, it's at home against the Miami Dolphins. Two game tickets, two backyard bash passes, three exclusive pregame tunnel experience. I'm sorry, exclusive pregame tunnel experience, one complimentary parking pass, and two Ravens gift bags. All Ravens fans living in Delaware, District of Columbia, Maryland, Pennsylvania, and Virginia are eligible to enter. The contest is open to the public. You can see the sweepstakes rules in the show notes where we have a link provided for you. GEHA, Government Employees Health Association, your friend in federal since 1937. We know federal because we only provide benefits for federal. You can visit GEHA.com to learn more. John Harbaugh's press conference, as we always do, we pick it apart. And here he is on some of the wide receiver route running, including the adjustment that Odell Beckham Jr. had to make on that 46-yard touchdown. He later admitted in the post-game media scrum that it was actually the route, uh, the wrong route. And then, of course, Rashad Bateman had some hiccups as well, one that uh, led to Lamar's lone interception, and then one that he appeared to almost slow down mid-route that we discussed during our post-game live stream. Here's Harbs on all of that. Yeah, I think just generally that's all part of it. <clears throat> when you look at the National Football League, I, I, I can tell you that a lot of things aren't perfect out there. A lot of things are adjustments are made, whether it's a, somebody hears something a certain way or, or, or runs the route a little differently or takes off or scramble drills it or whatever they do. I think that uh, kind of that kind of uh, variance, you know, that kind of adjustment kind of thing is all part of it. And sometimes you do hear the thing the wrong way or you don't do it quite right. Or, you know, uh, the deep routes should be run full speed all the way through there all the time. Uh, nine out of ten times, you're probably not going to get the ball. You know, so you don't want the one time to be maybe that you didn't think you're going to get the ball, maybe be the one that slows down a little bit. But I can tell you that Bate has been just specifically to to Rashad. He's been running those routes all year fast. I mean, he's been fast all year. He's been taking the top off coverage, doing a great job of that. He plays really hard. So, you know, it's just just keep working on all those details. Try to get better every single day at all the little things in the passing game. Your thoughts? I think that's all fair. Um, I have I, one thing I did see in the national media a few times is they said Lamar underthrew that, which was my initial reaction too. So I don't blame him for having that, but they obviously didn't get the extra nugget that Odell uh, ran the wrong route. But still, Odell adjusted even after running the wrong route. The way he like turned, you know, back, it's still incredible. Twice. The way he twice, twice, twice. Yeah, no, it's it's incredible, and you know, and it reminds you of why OBJ is OBJ. And then for the Rashad Bateman one. If that's it, if it's just like, hey, nine times out of ten, he's running fast and running them all the way and didn't on that one, and that's like a reminder to keep running. 
it's always good to learn those lessons in a win. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I think he handled that pretty well to try not to throw Bateman under the bus too much saying that he usually runs it fast, but obviously you got to do it 10 out of 10 times instead of nine out of 10. But you said that uh, did, was, was the interception to Rashad. Were you implying that's Rashad's fault? I, I, I still need to go back and look at that. I didn't no. remember it being no. Rashad. Okay. Okay. Just checking. No, okay. I thought that was, I know some people in our live chat during a post game show were like, well, Lamar was probably trying to course correct because of. Bateman having pulled up on that route the previous time that he targeted him. I don't think so. I, yeah. I, I mean, that that's like a, that'd be a really hard thing to, to, for us to sit up here and say, um, but clearly there, there's just, for me, there's not enough consistency between bait and Lamar at this point, you know, in December, mm-hmm. especially from a deep ball standpoint. I know that bait had, was involved in other areas of the game in the short pass game. But from a deep ball standpoint, it's really only been Lamar and Odell, Lamar and Zay. That's really it. Bateman has not been a threat in that category. And in order for them to consistently take the top off, they need that third target. They need him to be that guy. Let's talk a little bit about this offensive line rotation that we saw unfold. Um, There was a little bit of a, a rotating cast and John Harbaugh gave a little bit of perspective on how that came to be for Ronnie Stanley on the left and Morgan Moses on the right. Yeah, that was the plan going forward. I, I don't know. I don't know. They both played pretty well. You know, I mean, uh, uh, you know, of course, Pat, I play like he always does. And then uh, Daniel, to get those reps in there, I think he had one probably that he'd want back. Other than that, he thought he played uh, the rest of the really solid reps in there and did a good job. Uh, just with the, the two situations with the guys physically, you know, uh, Ronnie and uh, Morgan that helped us, that they were all on board for it. The idea was to, uh, you know, split the workload up a little bit and and, uh, and also help Ronnie and Morgan be the strongest they could be in the fourth quarter. That was our thinking, and it sure turned out to be a wise move. It was Joe D's idea, and I thought it was a really good idea. Worked out great. What really worked out great is one of the best games in terms of pass protection for Ronnie so far this season. Uh, for those of you on the YouTube forum, this is from PFF. Uh, Forty-four pass blocking snaps is what he recorded. Just one pressure allowed and no sacks. So a pretty clean game for 79 out there, Sarah. Uh, honestly, that's those are gorgeous numbers. <laughs> I mean, that's great. I, I, I felt like the plan, I was not expecting the plan. Uh, it was good to hear that Ronnie and Morgan were, were cool with the plan too because they're the ones who's giving up snaps and all that, but maybe they know what they're capable of physically right now. Boy, did it, I mean, he said the plan was to keep him fresh. Well, Lamar, I'm telling you, it felt like Lamar had a lot of time most of that game yesterday, yeah. even down through the fourth quarter. You know what I mean? Like when he, like when he threw that touchdown to, to Zay Flowers, where he had on third and 17 at the end of the game, and he has to let those, those routes develop before he throws it, like he had the time to do it. So, yeah, you've got the stat here. Lamar Jackson had four seconds to throw on 18.6% of his passes and two and a half seconds on 67.4%. Versus the Rams. I feel like the stat should, needs to be around you need to have bare minimum 2.5. Um, I need to look that back up. But there's there's like stats that say what it is. So his season averages, by the way, 13.5% for four seconds. So they gave him that more often. And then uh, it's averages at 54.7% on two and a half seconds per stat. That's per, um, per next-gen stats tweeted out by Ryan Mink. And then I just thought, like, 
we talked about this a little bit. Like, not only was the the plan wonderful to rotate the tackles, with, and by the way, Patrick McCarry and Philele, like those valuable snaps, invaluable yes. because you know you draft him, you hope to develop him to become your next what right tackle. So that's great. And then on top of that strategy, the way they attacked Aaron Donald. Here was a, here's a screen grab of it where we got three offensive linemen on Aaron Donald right here. Jeff's Reback tweeted, Ravens threw a lot of blockers at Aaron Donald, and it worked. Donald's one statistic today was a pass deflection. No mm. tackles, no sacks, or quarterback hits. Yep. So, yeah, just just kudos to all the, all the offensive line, the coaches, um, Joe, the offensive line coach, all of them just thought it was an excellent game plan and executed very well. Refuse to lose to Aaron Donald is what I call that. That was yeah. something else. Uh, speaking of refusal, Charlie Kohler refused to, uh, well, I guess be denied on that return touchdown on the punt return from, from Tylen Wallace. Some folks on Twitter, as Jeff Zerebic noted during the John Harbaugh press conference on Monday, thought that it was an illegal block in the back that he laid on his former teammate, which is pretty funny from his college days that that ended up being, and by the way, who was his roommate and best friend. But John Harbaugh was asked, was it illegal? I, I know it was absolutely legal because I watched it on tape. It was absolutely legal. His hands were in front. For it to be a block in the back, you actually have to block the guy in the back, which he did not do. <laughs> it doesn't matter how he falls. It's, whether you, it's where you contact him. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. That was a funny exchange there. Jeff asked him about it, and uh, I, I know it's legal. <laughs> I watched yeah. the tape, so there you have it. I just, I don't know. Some people were were questioning it online. Yeah, which I know we had you had brought up because you had seen it in the comments yesterday, and I was like, I don't, I didn't even notice. So let me go back yep. and look. So even before Harbaugh spoke, Bobby, I don't feel like there's a really good close up view, but mm. from the different views I looked at, to me, what it looked like is the guy was more because he was trying to get a shoestring tackle. So to me, it more looked like he was like diving. 
to get at Tylen Wallace and, and Charlie Kolar was before that trying to like block him in the front, but then just because his hands were there and he dove on that camera angle, it looked like maybe it was a block in the back, but after looking at it, and again, I don't have a great view, but from the views I saw, it definitely looked like he was more lunging than got blocked down. We have got to go in hyperspeed here, and unfortunately, we're probably yes. not going to be able to talk about it as much as we would have liked in terms of argument, uh, arguing, but we did want to walk ourselves back in terms of uh, some of the criticism that we gave or questioning that we gave John Harbaugh during the post-game live stream. So you ended up tweeting and transcribing his full explanation on what led to him throwing a challenge flag on what was a scoring play, Demarcus Robinson's touchdown. So I'll let you read this and react. Well, uh, you, yeah, so here's his full explanation, which I, I guess he deserves to, to have that full explanation since we did criticize him on the challenge flag. He says it was more about getting the timeout. I thought maybe Demarcus Robinson stepped out of bounds. I know the replay officials look at that, but really what it was was just getting organized on defense for the two-point play call. They go fast in, on those now. They don't give you time, really. We all did. But I really wanted to make sure we had the right call. So that's a way to get a timeout there, throwing a red flag from 20 yards away, close quote. So um, in the moment uh, when it all went down, I had tweeted that I called it a blunder. I said that challenge flag blunder cost Lamar, um, John Harbaugh a timeout. So I called it a blunder there. Then in our uh, post-game show, I called it bizarre is what I called it. Then again, so we're moving fast, fast, fast after the game. We're qu quickly transcribing different stuff. We're grabbing quotes and all that. I didn't hear the end of that. You had kind of said, hey, he said he did it instead of it because he wanted a timeout. And I said, well, why didn't he just call a timeout then? So, um, so to me, the explanation from what we had briefly understood yesterday also didn't seem to add up. But since that time, when he says it's a way to get a timeout from 20 yards away, I have seen coaches try to get uh, ref's attention for a timeout and miss, and he felt like he was 20 yards away. That's one. Now, the second thing he, I don't know if he, if this, if he could even admit to this, if this was in his mind, because then he's really gaming the system. Um, but plenty of people have tweeted at me over the last 24 hours that by doing the challenge flag and making the, everybody converse about it, they got two minutes to talk about the play, not only talk about it, but get the defense rested. And then and rather than 30 seconds, which would have come from a timeout. So here's what I'm going to say. The facts are he, he did it the way he did it, and the defense stopped the two-point conversion, and it definitely helped win the game. So, so the facts are that John Harbaugh helped win the game, and they didn't win despite him with what he did. Now, if you're a Harbaugh critic, you probably aren't buying his words. I do. I don't find John Harbaugh other than injuries, which I don't think – any coach owes anybody answers on injuries because it all has to go into strategy. But I've seen John Harbaugh plenty of times, and I've had to remind people on Twitter today, he definitely has taken accountability when he has gotten something wrong. The latest time he did that was against the Colts game. He said it was his fault for not telling Zay to call a fair catch. Um, I, I Googled it even. If you Google John Harbaugh admits mistakes, a ton of articles will come up. He definitely, I don't think he like tries to pretend that he's smarter than he is. Um, so I, I, I take his words at face value. He was playing 3d chess. I was playing checkers in that moment. I feel like I was wrong. So I just wanted to put that out there. Well, I should do the same. You call it a blunder. I called it malpractice, all of which was, was in the moment. Uh, I think that that was, were a little bit, 
little bit um, of, of hyperbole, not knowing the full information. I will say this, given, given the track record, given some of the miscues when it comes to clock management, fourth down decisions, challenging in the past, sometimes there's a hesitancy within me uh, when you see this to to give him the benefit of the doubt, I would say. Now, I, we should have this conversation later on in the week because we're really up against the clock. I, I tend to think, just like that there were evaluations made top-down in the strength and conditioning department this past offseason, one thing that he vowed to do and he, and he, and he lived up to that, uh, I think that they should look into the way that they handle logistical communication internally in the booth upstairs for how John Harbaugh gets information fed to him through the headset, uh, how that how that is um, how that's laid out, when it's laid out. It just seems like there's a lot happening, and I wonder if there's too much happening within his headset. Again, I know you want to have a conversation back and forth on this, so we should probably stick a pin on it, but. Yeah. I, I would love for that to be evaluated this offseason is, is my ask. Okay, we will, we will. I will challenge you that on that on another episode, maybe maybe tomorrow. Speaking um, of challenging. <laughs> real, real quick before you do that, one last tidbit yeah. just to note. Um, John Harbaugh said he anticipates Pepe Williams being added to the 53-man roster by today, Tuesday. Uh, so because the, the window ends today and, and he should go to the 50-man roster, there's an open spot because they haven't filled in Mark Andrews' spot when he went to IR. Sorry, okay. go on. No, 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 that was good. Good to see Pepe back in the fold, hopefully soon. This is pretty funny. Uh, Justin BTW from from Ravens Flock Twitter, uh, he he tweeted out essentially, you know, I think it's time for Bateman and the Ravens to mutually part ways. Hey, he can relate with these emotional tweets in games sometimes, right? And Lamar goes and finds his way right into his mentions and says, hey, you must have bumped your big ass. <laughs> Ed, hashtag mind your business. Love you though with hearts. Rashad comes back in. Hey, I, I've been uh, effing with you. Chill out. God's timing. We're <laughs> I can't even say all this for our podcast, but we're winning. And then Justin, he is stunned. Hits him back with like a gif. Oh no, I'm sorry. L- MVP. I was yapping. Hashtag never again. And the and the gif is like he's just like, or is it gif or gif? Why do I always do this? I like to say GIF, and I don't GIF, know why. Because it's because it, everybody else says it's GIF, but if it's if it stands for graphic interface, whatever. Like to me, graphic is GUH, so I say GIF, but whatever. Uh, then then we also saw. Oops, went the wrong way. We also saw that uh, Patrick Queen came to Marlon Humphrey's defense. Um, Kevin Ostriker actually took the video you put up uh, with the play that Marlon Humphrey got called a PI on, which, by the way, was ridiculous just because it was an uncatchable ball. That's number one why it was ridiculous. Number two is ridiculous because his hands were, like, up away from him, and Puka, as a rookie, pulled, like, a veteran move and wrapped um, Marlon on top of him and then fell down, and it was like... So he, he definitely sold that to the ref. So anyway... Patrick Queen quote retweeted that saying, "So everyone coming at Marlowe needs to shut up, man. Be doing his th- man. Be doing his thing. Everybody get paid to make plays. Sometimes it won't be you to make them. So I guess I just wanted to highlight both of these, not to like make anybody feel bad. Like I don't want Justin to feel bad. I mean, I mean, I could get torn apart on Twitter every day. So uh, it was more that I liked the vibe of this team. I liked that like B- B- Rashad Bateman's under fire." 
and it wasn't necessary. Lamar didn't have to come and stand up for him, but he did. He went out of his way to do it. It wasn't just like, oh, I'm out of pressure and I'm not going to throw him under the bus. No, he went out of his way on Twitter to stand up for him. Same with Patrick Queen. Now on that play, I definitely don't think it's Marlon's fault. I do think that Marlon faltered later on. I think that's more what people are upset about. Um, that being said, it's always an overreaction, right? People want to throw away players and say, oh, cut them, leave them. We don't need them, da, 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 da. And it's just like, how many times are we going to do this? Now we're seeing Ronnie Stanley turn things around. We saw uh, uh, Marcus Williams turn things around. We've seen Patrick Queen turn things around, like Nelson Aguilar. And it's just like, why are we so quick to throw people away? They're, they're going to have bad games. And I just like the vibe of this locker room. Like there's, there's legitimate like love and having each other's back. Yeah, there's a closeness and loyalty that you see every week in Ravens Wired. You see it. You definitely saw it in the official locker room post-game celebration when Tylen came in and they were spraying water everywhere and Tylen was fired up and Harbaugh was hugging him right in the middle of all of it. So I'm sure we'll have some more clips to share with you later on this week. Speaking of locker room post-game clips, we know that Joe Flacco is back in the league. He's leading the Cleveland Browns. He's been named the starter for Cleveland the rest of the way after leading them to an upset victory over Jacksonville and throwing for over 300 yards. Here he is in a winning locker room, 38 years old. Remember that. Coach is right, man. You know, it was not, it was not pretty today, and I was not my best, but these are what makes teams, these tough games. You know, you guys earned the right all year to play December football, and that's what we're doing right now, and that's what it looks like sometimes. And then January and February, this is what it's going to be, and to have the the mental toughness to come through in those types of games, that's what winners made of. So, you know, hey, bring these games on. It's just going to make us better in the long run. And I appreciate you guys having me, man. I feel oh, like a 10-year-old kid out there. Yeah. <laughs> For our audio-only people, Zadarius Smith at the very end gives them a big hug. And during that speech... Every person that was in the background of that video provided by the Browns, every teammate of his, locked in. January Joe perhaps making a return to the NFL next month. Listen, I'll just say this. It feels inevitable that the Ravens and Browns are going to meet. <laughs> I'm happy for Joe, but I'm done. I'm done. I'm over it now. I'm happy for him. But this, look. The Browns, two games behind the Ravens. They have an easier schedule than the Ravens. The Ravens have this gauntlet. Like... Happy for Joe, but now I'm over. I'm over it. I'm like done. You're you're back. You are officially the enemy again until the playoffs are over. Love you, Joe. But right now, it's it's what it's the it's the OBJ shirt. You're a friend of me now, and I'm now moving on. And I'm whatever that clip made me smile, but only for a second because now he's a friend of me, and I'm moving on. Projections for the number one seed, according to Jameson Hensley, Ravens are now at the top. 44.2% chance of getting it. Dolphins 42.8, but that could very well change after uh, Monday night's game, which as we're taping this, we don't have the results of that game yet, but as you listen to it, you will know the results. Chiefs dropped all the way down to 9.7% for that number one seed, followed by the Jags at 2.2, and then the Browns at 1.1. So there you have it. And this is why I say, Bobby, this is why I've been saying it since the Seahawks game. It's fun to be the underdog, but you're no longer the underdog. There's expectations. There's expectations. There's, um, you know, people don't see you as, like, not somebody who you have to worry about. People are worried about the Ravens. Can they handle nice things? Can they handle expectations? That's the next step. I think they can. 
They now are the favorite to win the number one seed. Go out and grab it. Let's finish with this ridiculous display of athleticism and finish and just a grit. And it's Patrick Queen. Let's do Look at this. We'll talk right over it, too. I mean, the guy just demolishes a ram trying to get to the ball carrier and somehow has the finishing ability to just ram through multiple players with a big-time tackle, high speed. All right, then let's finish with this one. It's the all-22 of Zay's uh, touchdown pass. Look, there he is lining up to the right. And then uh, just a slant. Oh, no, I missed him. They had somebody else circled. Oh, they were circling Aguilar. My bad. Yeah, Play yeah. that again. Play that again. Yeah, yeah. They're circling Aguilar to show that he takes the safety with him. That's why they circled Aguilar rather than Zay. So look, yeah, he took the safety with him. So Zay had one-on-one, -on -one and Lamar hit him in the perfect spot. And that's what Lamar was saying, that that uh, Aguilar said, hey, the safety's going to be coming with me, and, and you're going to have a window for Zay. And that's exactly what happened. So, uh, yeah, pretty cool clip there. Nelly pulled out the wizardry on that, and it came to fruition, which is pretty cool. Shout out two of our newest patrons, not returning. They are just jumping on board now, which we're super appreciative of. Christian Almgren and Jimmy Rice, thank you both for believing in what we're building here in Baltimore and beyond. If you guys are interested in doing the same, visit the show notes below or patreon.com forward slash Ravens Vault Podcast. A huge thank you to GEHA, who is this episode's exclusive title sponsor. We also have a Jaguars preview episode coming up later this week, so be on the lookout for that. And yeah, if you enjoyed this, this content, please consider liking it and subscribing to The Vault if you don't already do so. For my co-host and partner, Sarah Ellison, I'm Bobby Trostad signing off from this Tuesday morning vault. We'll talk to you on Wednesday. <laughs>